What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John, and this week we are back with episode 108, where we will be analyzing and predicting the UFC fight night going down this Saturday, August 1st, 2020, headlined by Derek Brunson versus Edmund Shabazian. This 11-fight card will take place from Las Vegas, Nevada at the UFC Apex, and will take place in the smaller UFC cage as opposed to the bigger UFC cage that was used in the past few Fight Island events. Just a quick betting note, last week I did profit 3.3 units in official track plays, bringing our tracked record to plus 51 units in the year 2020. My tracked bets have been profitable in 13 of the past 14 UFC events. With that being said, we are going to get right into breaking down all 11 of these fights, and we're going to start things off in the Bantamweight division, where we have Chris Gutierrez taking on Cody Durden. The opening betting line for this one was... Gutierrez, the favorite at minus 305 to Durden at plus 225. Right now we are seeing Gutierrez minus 350 to Durden plus 290. Interesting matchup to start off the card. Chris Gutierrez has the more UFC experience. He's actually on a three-fight win streak in the UFC. Two of those wins were at Bantamweight, but his most recent fight, his most impressive performance was at Featherweight. Gutierrez put on a dominant striking performance over Vince Morales and eventually led to a leg kick TKO in round two. Now getting over to the opponent Durden here, he is making his UFC debut on short notice. He trains out of a pretty good gym. I think it's the ATT gym in Atlanta with uh, the Lima brothers. And Durden is a wrestler. There's no question to that. All of his fights, he pretty much wrestles right away. We have not seen him strike much at all, and there's just not much tape uh, overall on Durden. We've seen him get some quick takedowns and dominate opponents on the ground but we really haven't seen him strike for much he seems to have some decent technique on the feet but I just think that you have to defaultly side with the uh, with Gutierrez here because he's the proven striker in the UFC and what I saw from him in his last fight was very impressive against Vince Morales and I'd be really shocked to see Durden outstrike him here but Durden can hit takedowns here because when we've seen Gutierrez struggle in the UFC is when he's facing grapplers. Hyoni uh, Barcelos took him down and now grappled him. And so did Geraldo de Freitas at certain points of their fight. He pushed him against the cage, hit takedowns, but Gutierrez did a good job of getting back up to his feet. I think his takedown defense is pretty solid. His get-ups are good. And if he wasn't able to get outgrappled by de Freitas for long, I doubt that Durden will keep him on his back for long. But it's a definite path to victory here for Durden. He just needs to relentlessly wrestle, try to put Gutierrez is on his back and he might even have a chance at winning a decision here so the pick for me is still going to be Gutierrez to stuff takedowns to stand up from takedowns and to outstrike Durden on the feet likely getting a, a decision win but he could even get a TKO at some point but there is a small chance that Durden uh, overperforms his price here and hits takedowns and makes this fight closer than the odds indicate so at these odds it's going to be a dog or pass fight for me I think there's uh, a decent amount of value on Durden at plus 290 I would cap this fight uh, more around the 70-30 mark for Gutierrez. So where the odds are at now, it's definitely a bit wide, but I'm still going to pick Gutierrez to get the win here. I'm going to go with Gutierrez by decision, uh, but Cody Durden is live, and I think I will track a half unit bet on him at plus 290. The next fight is in the featherweight division. We have Jamal Emers taking on Timur Valiev. The opening betting line for this one was Valiev minus 300 to Emers plus 250. 
Right now, we are seeing value of minus 165 to Emmers plus 145. So line margins have tightened up. More action has come in on the dog, Jamal Emmers, and that's completely rightfully so. I think that where that opening line set was way wide, and if anybody got in on Emmers at over 2-1, to one, that is a great bet. And the odds indicate that right now because the margins have tightened up and Rightfully so, once again, because Valiev just should not have been that much of a favorite here. I mean, he is moving up to 145 pounds. He has fought at 145 throughout his career a few times, but I think he's definitely a natural bantamweight. His most two recent fights were both at bantamweight, and he's going to be at a bit of a height and reach disadvantage here. Emmers is four inches taller than him and has a six inch reach advantage here. That's going to be a big factor in the striking here because if you're comparing the way the two of them strike, there's a big difference in the way they go about striking. Valiev has very solid technique on the feet, good footwork, good cage craft, but he mostly throws kicks, a lot of leg and body kicks, and doesn't really throw many punches and doesn't land many head strikes. And Emmers, on the other hand, is very long, throws a lot of straight punches, uses his kicks very well. So when comparing the striking here, I think you have to give a slight advantage to Jamal Emmers because he has that height and reach uh, advantage and he has that head strike advantage. He just lands more punches to the head, which is going to be easier to score in the eyes of the judges. Valiev might be landing a lot of leg kicks and uh, body kicks, but if he's moving backwards and Emmers is marching forward, landing punches to the head, I think that Emmers is going to edge those rounds in the judges' eyes. But to be honest, when analyzing this fight, I just see it ending up in a very close decision, a split decision type of fight. I don't think either guy will convincingly win these rounds. They're going to be really close. And I got to slightly side with Jamal Emmers because of that head strike advantage I was talking about. And I mostly think that Team Revaliev needs takedowns to win here. I don't think that he will convincingly win these rounds on the feet. So he's going to likely have to hit takedowns, get some offensive top time, look to get some ground and pound and submissions going. And despite seeing some nice offensive grappling from Valiev uh, in his PFL fights and his regional fights that we were watching on tape this week, I just don't think he's reliable enough of a wrestler and dominant enough from top position to rely on him to hit takedowns here. So the odds currently have Valiev as a pretty decent favorite at slightly above 60%. I think that's off. I think it should be closer to 50-50. I would even give maybe Emmers a slight advantage here because I just think he's going to be the more convincingly winning striker here in these striking exchanges. So as long as Emmers can avoid getting stuck on his back, getting taken down for long periods of time, I think that he should win the striking here. I think he should have solid enough defensive grappling to avoid getting stuck on his back but he's just not the most reliable fighter he tends to fight with some bad iq at times and i don't think he's the most uh, trustful guy at this point so i'm going to be betting emmers for about one unit i think i have one unit on him at plus 155 Despite giving a lot of advantages to Jamal Emmers and sounding like I'm going to pick him so far, I'm actually going to pick Timur Valiev to slightly edge a decision here. I think that because he's going to be attempting takedowns, he's going to be cage pushing a lot, he's going to be winning the fight in the eyes of the judges. It's going to be really close. As I mentioned multiple times before, I think it's a split decision type of fight. So I'm going to be betting Emmers because I think the odds should be about 50-50. I think it's a coin flip type of fight, so you're getting a good amount of value on that plus one. 50 price on Emmers, but in terms of an official prediction, I think I'm going to go with Timur Valiev to win a close decision here. So, wouldn't go crazy betting on either side of this fight, but it is dog or pass, and I will be betting Emmers here. 
The next fight takes place in the middleweight division. We have Marcus Perez taking on Eric Spicely. The opening betting line for this one was Perez minus 200 to Spicely plus 170. Right now we are seeing Perez minus 210 to Spicely plus 175. So right off the bat, I think that these odds are wide. I think that they should be much closer. I think I agree with Perez being the favorite, but I don't think that he deserves to be over minus 150. I would cap this fight more at a 60-40 advantage for Perez, but where the odds are at now, it's more like 70-30. So I think there is some value on Spicely Moneyline right off the bat. I also like some of the props on this fight. I like the over one and a half rounds. I was able to bet that at minus 145 it is now minus 160 and i also like the goes the distance at plus 170 and it is now plus 140 so i got some good value on both of those lines now getting down to analyzing the matchup i think the striking here is very even i think that prez has the more power in his strikes but spicely has the better volume the better output and the southpaw body kicks for Perez are going to be a big weapon because I did not like the way that Spicely was defending body kicks versus Gerald Mearshart. He actually got finished with a body kick uh, in that fight. And some of his other fights, I've just seen him not react well to body kicks. So I think that that southpaw body kick from uh, Maluka Perez will be a big weapon here. And if Spicely is not able to defend that kick, he could possibly get finished early here. But more than likely, I think this fight is a slow-paced striking fight. Both of them are great grapplers, and I would be pretty surprised to see either one outgrapple one another. I think they're both black belts. They both have submissions in the UFC. But I think that both of them will be hard to take down. And if I have to give a grappling advantage to one of them, I think it would be Spicely. Just because I didn't like the way that Perez was getting clinched up a lot versus um Wellington Terminant in his last fight, he was getting body locked a lot against the clinch and kind of just got grinded out against the cage in that fight, did not have good initiative and was kind of content to just lose the decision there versus Terminant in that fight. Meanwhile, Spicely, his last fight, he did also lose that one to uh, Daron Wynn, but he showed good output in that fight. He showed solid durability, solid cardio and output in all three rounds. So Despite Spicely losing that fight, I think he looked pretty promising. So I'm actually going to side with Eric Spicely as the pretty decent underdog here. I think that he just has the better output on the feet you know, in the striking aspect of things. And I don't think he gets taken down here. So I think that Perez has a small chance to win this fight via landing the harder, more damaging strikes on the feet. Of course, that southpaw body kick I was talking about earlier, it could finish Spicely at any time. But if this fight goes in the later rounds, I think that we're going to see the output of Spicely start to take over and him to win those later rounds by landing the more strikes on the feet. And unless Perez is able to hit offensive takedowns and outgrapple Spicely to my surprise here, I think he actually loses this fight. So I like the over 1.5 in this fight. I like the goes the distance. And I also like Eric Spicely money line at plus 175 because I am picking him to pull off the dog upset here. So the pick for me is going to be Spicely by decision. The next fight takes place in the bantamweight division. We have Ray Borg taking on Nathan Maness. The opening betting line for this one was Borg minus 230 to Maness plus 170. Right now we are seeing Borg minus 245 to Maness plus 205. So Nathan Maness is making his UFC debut here on short notice against a very tough UFC vet in Ray Borg. Really tough matchup for Maness in his debut, especially when you consider he is dropping down to 135 pounds. He's fought at 135 a few times throughout his career, but he's also fought at 155 and 145. So I definitely think he's a 
bigger bantamweight and he will likely struggle to make this weight cut and they haven't weighed in yet they weigh in in about 24 hours so keep an eye on the weight cut uh, for this fight especially ray borg because he has also struggled making the the 136 pound limit a few times throughout his career but getting down to analyzing the matchup i just struggle to see any way that Maness wins this fight to be honest i think that the distance striking could be competitive but with the way that I saw Borg make improvements versus Ricky Simone and the way his boxing looked in that fight, he was digging to the body and he showed a good chin on the feet. He was getting into the pocket and getting dirty on the feet for the first time in his career, in my opinion. I really like what I saw from Borg in that fight, and I think that I would give him a striking advantage in this fight based on the improvements that I saw from him in the last fight. Maness has some decent striking technique. He Fights from southpaw a lot of the time. He switches stances, has some decent boxing, but I just don't like his boxing defense. I don't think he's fought very many good fighters, and I just think that he's likely in for a very tough fight here because he's never fought a grappler the caliber of Ray Borg. I mean, he's fought in some grapplers and he's defended some takedowns, but he has never fought anybody near the level of Ray Borg on the ground. So I think that I give a slight advantage to Ray Borg in the striking here, and I give a pretty huge advantage to Borg in the grappling here. So unless Borg guesses out and looks bad like he did in that fight against Silva not too long ago, or maybe Maness overperforms what I saw from him on striking. I could be uh, underrating his striking ability a little bit. He might even give Ray Borg some trouble on the feet. And there's going to be a big size advantage here. I think that Maness is like five or six inches taller and longer in terms of reach. So Maness is going to have a big size advantage here and might be able to outstrike Borg uh, based on that alone. So the pick for me is still going to be Borg on the feet. I think he gets inside the pocket and starts digging into the body. Al strikes Maness that way and likely hits takedowns and out grapples him on the feet as well. So the pick for me is going to be Borg by decision. I could even see a finish from Borg along the way here. He's not a great finisher. He doesn't have many finishes in his UFC career, if any. But I think that this is a massive skill uh, differential in this fight. And we're going to see Borg win this one comfortably. So the pick is going to be Borg by decision. The next fight is in the light heavyweight division. We have Ed Herman taking on Gerald Mearshart. The opening betting line for this one was Mearshart, the minus 195 favorite to Herman, plus 170. Right now, we are seeing Mearshart, minus 170 to Herman, plus 150. So more action coming in on the underdog Ed Herman in this one. And I think that where the opening line was at was pretty accurate. Honestly, I give Mearshart about a 65% advantage in this fight. But he does have some things to be concerned about. He did not look very good in his last fight. He got dropped and finished in round one versus Ian Heinish. And GM3 is also moving up to 205 pounds here. I'm sure he's fought in that 205 before in his career. But Ed Herman is the natural light heavyweight here. Mearshart is just moving up on short notice. But I think that not having to make the weight cut will likely be a good thing for Mearshart, especially after getting his chin checked in his last fight versus Heinish. So I do give a lot of advantages to Mearshart here. I think he's the more active striker on the feet, and he's the more dynamic as well. I mean, he throws better kicks. He's got the better defense than Herman. And I think that Herman's slow punches will actually have a hard time connecting on Mearshart here because Mearshart is one of the few fighters who has decent head movement in the UFC. I really like the way he avoids punches. You can see that in the uh, Deron Wynn fight or the Eric Anders fight. I mean, the guy just has a good sense for avoiding getting hit. And that's just a, a very rare quality you see amongst uh, especially these heavier weight class fighters. And 
GM3 just got caught with a massive overhand in his last fight. I mean, it wasn't a very replicable outcome in my opinion, and I don't think you should take too much from that quick loss to Heinish. Um, but Herman did look good in his last fight against Ibrahimov, despite being old, despite being like 38 years old. He fought to, de to the decision in that one. He won the first two rounds convincingly, was able to outbox Ibrahimov, avoid that early onslaught, had solid defense in that fight himself. So Herman is still fresh, despite being very old, and I think that he could still give GM3 a tough fight. So in the striking here, I think I do give a pretty decent advantage to Mirshar because he's going to have a speed advantage, and I just think he's got the more layers to his striking while Herman is pretty much purely a boxer maybe mixes in the occasional leg kick although he did knock out Pat Cummins with the knee just a few years ago but I think Herman's best path to victory here would likely to be a swing fest in round one just getting a brawl and try to test the chin of Mearshart because if the fight stays on the feet for long striking periods I just think that Mearshart's speed and his head movement his defense and his his overall better striking will start to outstrike Herman so I also think we could see Mirchard hit takedowns here he loves to hit takedowns loves to grapple he's a solid grappler he tends to make a lot of bad decisions on the ground though he tends to make fights closer than they have to be by initiating the grappling so I think that he should actually avoid hitting takedowns here. Herman has solid takedown defense and won't be easy to outgrapple. So as long as Mirshar doesn't fight dumb, try to grapple too much, and doesn't get in a brawl on the feet, I think that he should outstrike Herman over three rounds here. Likely puts up more volume, likely lands the more damaging strikes. I don't think a TKO is likely... Although GM3 did land a lot of damage on Darren Wynn and eventually get an accumulated damage TKO. I think it officially ended by submission, but he, he dropped him with strikes in that fight. So that's possible to happen here, but I think Herman is still tough enough, uh, still durable enough to, to see the decision here. So the pick for me is going to be Mearsharp by decision. Where the odds are at now, I think there's a little bit of value on Mearsharp, but I'm in no rush to be betting Mearsharp coming off of that loss, going up in weight class and fighting a still tough Herman here. So... I do cap Mearshard at about 65%, but I will not be betting him as a favorite here. So the pick, once again, is Mearshard by decision. The next fight is in the Bantamweight division. We have Jonathan Martinez taking on Frankie Sines. The opening betting line for this fight was Martinez minus 225 to Sines plus 190. Right now, we are seeing Martinez minus 255 to Sines plus 215. So more action coming in on the favorite Jonathan Martinez in this one. And I agree with the line movement. I think that this is a good matchup for Martinez. Signs is, I believe, 38 years old. Very old for a lower weight class fighter like Bantamweight. And I think he started to look his age in the last fight versus uh, Marlon Vera. Vera is a great opponent. You know, very solid fighter. Top 15 Bantamweight in my opinion. So there's no real shame in that loss. But he did get dropped and finished with a jab in that fight. I mean, when you're getting dropped by a jab from not really a, a too hard of a hitter in Marlon Vera, I think there is some, some real question to your chin here. So I think that Martinez is pretty likely to land some strikes to test the chin of signs and likely to rock and finish um, signs on the feet here at some point, but signs does have a path to victory. He is a relentless wrestler, has solid defensive wrestling, but I don't think that'll come into factor here. He's only going to be offensive grappling in this fight, and Martinez does get taken down from time to time. Uh, Waligi Burren and Andre Sukumdat were both able to take him down a few times, put him on his back for certain periods of that fight. 
Martinez was able to reverse position on Buren a few times. He wasn't put in any compromising positions by Sukumtot, and I think he actually defended a few takedowns versus Pingyang Liu as well. So I think that Martinez's defensive grappling is constantly improving, and I think that signs is unlikely to hit takedowns and outgrapple him at this point. Although it is Sainz's only path to victory here because I think he's just going to be outgunned on the feet. Martinez is like 10, 13 years younger. He's going to have a huge speed and power advantage and likely outstrikes Sainz badly on the feet. So unless Sainz can hit takedowns here over and over again and just grind Martinez out against the fence and on the ground, I think he loses his fight. So very small chance that Sainz wins a decision here via wrestling. I would give it like 20-25%. But I think Martinez stuffs the takedowns and outstrikes uh, Sainz pretty clearly in this one. And eventually does get a finish here. So the pick for me is going to be Martinez by knockout. I think it probably happens in the first or second round. I actually do have a half unit bet on Martinez inside the distance at plus 195. And I think that Martinez is actually more likely to win by finish here than he is by decision. I think that he have, if he's out striking uh, signs, as I predict he will, I think he will get the knockout. And I would be pretty surprised to see him outstrike signs for multiple rounds and signs not uh, get dropped and get finished. So I think that the inside the distance is probably the way to go if you want to play Martinez. I think that if you want to, if he wins a decision, there will probably be a better live line on Martinez money line than the current pre-fight line. So it's dog or pass in terms of where the money line is at right now. I think that Martinez inside the distance has some value and it could be a good live betting fight. So the pick once again is Martinez by knockout. The next fight is in the middleweight division. We have Kevin Holland taking on Trevin Giles. The opening betting line for this one was Holland minus 215 to Giles plus 165. Right now we are seeing Holland minus 210 to Giles plus 175. So I think that where the line opened was wide and it's still wide. I think there's some value on Trevin Giles at these odds. And it's mostly because Holland is kind of an unreliable fighter. He's been like a pick em price in pretty much all of his UFC fights. Uh, especially versus Hernandez in his last fight, and then he was just really aggressive for once in round one, went out, went after Hernandez with knees and elbows and finished him in round one in about 60 seconds. So it was a nice finish from Holland. He showed a level of aggression that he never has before. And maybe that's a regular thing. I mean, he could justify this minus 200 price if he just showed initiative and showed constant aggression. But Holland is just very unreliable sometimes. He fights lackadaisical. He, he fights stupid at times. I mean, if you watch the way he fought versus Gerald Mearshart, he was fighting like an idiot throughout that entire fight. He was getting taken down over and over again, putting no effort into his takedown defense, and was kind of just giving that fight away. And he luckily got the fight uh, in the judges' scorecards despite him fighting terribly. But looking over at Trevin Giles, also sort of an unreliable fighter and his cardio, I think, is kind of unreliable. He tends to lose focus late in fights. If you look in his past three fights, all three of his round threes, he looked bad in. He got dropped and finished uh, versus Zach Cummins in a fight that he was winning. He got choked out versus Gerald Mearshart in round three. And he gassed out in round three versus James Krause and lost that round. Uh, still won the fight via decision, but definitely lost round three. 
So Giles is definitely not the most uh, reliable fighter in terms of cardio and just the way he fights. And I think that I would give a slight striking advantage to Giles in this one because he's the better boxer. He has the more meaningful punches. I think Holland is the better kicker of the two. And I think that if we have to compare the striking, I would just give a slight advantage to Giles because the punches, I think you'll be landed the more effective strikes in the feet. And in terms of the grappling, both guys are solid grapplers. Uh, I think that Holland is a little bit better of the overall grappler, uh, but both guys tend to struggle when they're being put on their backs. I mean, uh, Holland's takedown defense, as I was mentioning earlier, versus Mearshart was terrible. And I think that if Giles attempts takedowns and looks to put Holland on his back, he could win rounds with takedowns and top time. Now, I think that once the grappling starts on the floor, it's going to be some really sloppy back-and-forth grappling exchanges, sort of like their uh, Mearshart fights. Both of them fought Gerald Mearshart. Both of them had sloppy back-and-forth top position, a fallen off top position type of fights. So I think that that's likely what happens here. And I would give Holland an advantage once it goes to the ground because I think he is the better overall grappler. But with the way he gets stuck on his back at certain times, he's not very reliable at all. So the way I see this fight is it's more of a coin flip type of fight, maybe a 55-45 advantage for Kevin Holland. But where the odds are at now, giving Holland a 65% chance or higher to win this fight, I just think that that's way off. So I think there is some value on Trevin Giles at this point. I think I'm going to pick Holland by decision uh, as my official pick because I just think he has the more consistent work rate throughout the first three rounds. And I think that he will likely just win this fight by a close margin. But if Giles is plus 175 and it's going to be a close decision, I think he fights for your money. And I think he's worth a half unit or one unit bet at this plus 175. 75 price so once again the official pick is going to be holland by decision but the money line it's dogger pass the next fight takes place in the welterweight division we have vincente luque taking on randy brown the opening betting line for this one was luque the favorite at minus 215 to brown plus 185 now looking at the odds we see luque minus 185 to brown plus 160 so more action coming in on the underdog randy brown I was having a conversation with my friend, fellow better Gugabe from a few months ago, and we were talking about the decline of Vincente Luque, and I was imagining what fighter we could get as an underdog versus Luque that would beat him. You know, we want a fighter that's not too known to the public and would have the, sty the stylistic advantages to beat Luque. And the name we came up with was Randy Brown. And sure enough, a month later, the fight gets made and we get Randy Brown as an underdog. So I love Randy Brown as an underdog in this fight. I actually think that he could be a favorite. The reason I say that is because I think the only way Vincente Luque wins this fight is if he has success with his leg kicks. And he does throw leg kicks a lot, and Randy Brown is susceptible to leg kicks at certain periods of time. But if he doesn't have that leg kick as a consistent tool to limit the mobility of Randy Brown and to get some respect from Brown, I think he gets outstruck at range. I think he gets outstruck in the clinch. I don't think Luque will have much of an offensive takedown possibility. So I think Luque is in deep trouble in this fight. And I think that he's just on the decline as a fighter. And I think that it's pretty evident. I mean, if you look at his first fight against Nico Price, he largely dominated Nico Price, rocked him with punches, took him down, and choked him out. Then he had a rematch with Nico Price just three years later. And he had a very competitive fight where he arguably lost the first two rounds. I had Nico Price winning those first two rounds. It was an extremely competitive fight. He eventually dropped Price with a left hook and got a finish in round three. It was a great comeback win from Luque, but the man is just getting hit an insane amount in his past few fights. I mean, 
the Barbarina fight, the Perry fight, the Wonderboy fight, and the Price fight. Those are four fights in the past year, year and a half. He's absorbed over 500 significant strikes in those fights. So you can clearly see that Luke is just getting hit an astronomical amount. His defense is getting worse. He can't absorb punches the same. His chin can't absorb the same punches either. So I think that Luke is on a massive decline. And I think that that was evident from his last fight. And I think that it becomes uh, massively evident to the public that he has declined in this fight. Because I am picking Randy Brown to beat him. I think Brown outstrikes him at range. I think he deals with the calf kick, clinches up... Um, Luke outstrikes him in the clinch, maybe even hits his own offensive takedown at points. So the pick for me is going to be Randy Brown by either TKO or decision. I think he could win by knockout. The most likely outcome is by decision. And I'm going to be loading up on Randy Brown here. I'm going to have three units on Randy Brown at plus 160, one of my biggest underdog bets of the year. But I'm very confident in Brown. I think that this is a 50-50 type of fight. I would even give a slight 55-45 advantage to Randy Brown here. So it might sound crazy because Luke has won 11 of his last 13 fights. He has the better record. He has the better wins on his record. He has the better UFC career. But I mean, I think that the decline is evident when he's getting outstruck by Bar Brian Barberina and Mike Perry, and he's having tough fights with guys he soundly beat a few years ago. I think the decline is evident, and I think that we see uh, Luke take a loss here. So the pick for me is going to be Brown by decision, and I will be betting Brown heavily here at plus 160. The next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We have Bobby Green taking on Lando Venata. The opening betting line for this one was Venata, the minus 175 favorite to Green plus 150. Right now we are seeing Venata minus 152, Green plus 130. So line margins tightening up, more action coming in on Bobby Green. And excuse me if I messed up the, the bout order of this card. I'm looking at the official topology page and it says that the Luke A. Brown fight is after the Green and Venata fight. But I just messed up the order a little bit here. So this is a rematch of a fight that took place a few years ago that was ruled a draw. Really competitive, fun fight. Uh, round one was Lando Venata's round. He was uh, outstriking and hurting Bobby Green, even dropped Bobby Green with a right hand at one point. But he got a point deducted for throwing an illegal knee, so that round was a 9-9 round. And like Venata does, he tends to slow down in the later two rounds, and that's what happened here. I think I gave Bobby Green rounds two and three, and Bobby Green should have actually technically won a decision in my opinion, but I'm fine with the draw. They were close rounds. Round two was really close. Round three was a pretty clear Bobby Green round, but I think Green was a more consistent minute winner in that fight, and what I mean by that is, is he might have won 10, 11, 12 minutes of that fight, but Venata was hurting him with punches every now and then, and making the fight close by having those big moments. So when you're looking at a rematch here, I think you got to trust the better minute winner, and that is Bobby Green. I think he's the more reliable and more consistent striker. I do have a big concern about this fight because in the first fight, Venata was fighting a lot more aggressively in his early UFC career. He fought a lot more wild and aggressive, and since then, he has kind of reformed his style a little bit and become a little more passive and picks his shots a little better and fights more uh, collected than he did a few years ago. In the first fight, I think Bobby Green kind of benefited off of Lando's sloppy and aggressive style and was counter-striking him and landed more shots than Venata. 
My concern about the rematch is Lando might be content to just pick apart Bobby Green at distance and not try to get in the pocket, just stay at that kicking range, that long jabbing range, which he kind of did versus Yancey and Medeiros. And if he does that, I could see Bobby Green being a bit discouraged and not being aggressive enough and kind of losing the fight on the, the numbers in terms of he's just not throwing enough, not landing enough. And that's definitely a problem of his. If you're not taking the fight to Bobby Green, he kind of struggles at times. And I mean, Bobby Green is just consistent in really close fights I mean even his most recent fight against Clay Guida he clearly won that fight in my opinion I gave him all three rounds but he got cage pushed a lot he just made that fight a lot closer than he had to be despite cleanly outstriking uh, Guida in the clinch and at range so Getting down to an official prediction for the rematch here, I think this fight is going to be really close. I think it's a 50-50 type of fight. It likely hits the scorecards again, and it's going to be any guy's fight. And in my opinion, at these odds, you got to go with the dog at this price. I think it's more of a 50-50 fight, maybe even a slight advantage to Bobby Green. So it's definitely dog or pass in terms of the betting window. I just don't see how you could bet Venata as a favorite, considering in their first fight, he kind of gassed out after round one. He pretty consistently slows down late in fights and... Sure, he looked good against Medeiros in his last fight, but I just think that that was a very good matchup for Venata. And Green likes likely makes the fight a lot more sloppy uh, than it did versus Medeiros last fight. So just a quick note on the grappling in this fight as well. I think that Bobby Green is the better overall grappler. Uh, Lando likes to attempt more offensive takedowns, but I think Green's takedown defense and get-ups are more than good enough to avoid getting put on his back here. I mean, he was able to stuff takedowns in reverse uh Francisco Trinaldo just a few fights ago so I think that he will have no problem with the takedowns of Venata so I think it's a close fight on the feet we're going to see Green winning the more minutes and Venata probably landing the more significant damaging blows but I'm going to side with the better minute winner in Bobby Green here I think this fight is a 50-50 type of fight maybe even a slight advantage to Bobby Green so the value is on the dog all day I will be betting Bobby Green small not more than one or two units because he's just not the most reliable fighter, as I mentioned multiple times. So I wouldn't go crazy betting on green, but I do think he picks up the victory here. It likely goes to the decision, and it's going to be a close fight, so it could be a good live betting spot as well. But the pick is going to be green by decision. The next fight is in the women's flyweight division. We have Joanne Calderwood taking on Jennifer Maya. The opening betting line for this one was Calderwood, the minus 130 favorite to Maya plus 110. Right now we are seeing Calderwood minus 140 to Maya plus 120. So there is two-way action coming in on this fight. The early action came in on Calderwood, and she was actually a minus 190 favorite earlier on this week, just four days ago. And since then, the steady action has been coming back in on Jennifer Maya. And I agree with the late action. I think that minus 190 is a bit too high for Calderwood but where the price is at now minus 140 I think the value is back on Joanne Calderwood because I do favor her in this fight I think that she's got a slight striking advantage here and it mostly comes down to output I think that Calderwood lands uh, about six significant strikes per minute compared to Maya's four I just like the way that Calderwood mixes up her offense a little better than Maya Maya is pretty much primarily a boxer she occasionally mix mixes in a kick but I think that Calderwood is the better overall striker. She throws punches and kicks at distance, and she is the better clinch striker of the two, no doubt in my opinion. So I think that JoJo probably looks to get this fight in the clinch and throw knees and elbows and look to exploit that bad clinch game of Maya. 
I think a big factor in this fight for JoJo could be catching kicks. She does very well with catching kicks versus her opponents. So if Maya is throwing body kicks, we could look to see JoJo catch a kick and put Maya on her back. And that's exactly what happened in Maya's fight against Alexis Davis. She won round one easily versus Davis, was outstriking her, and then got a kick caught and got stuck on her back for over three and a half minutes in round two, and then was able to come back and win round three comfortably. So she really shouldn't have struggled that much in that fight she cleanly outstruck davis on the feet but one caught kick and put her on her back and she ends up stuck there for four minutes so maya really struggles off her back and calderwood does too she gets kicks caught from time to time i think she did versus chukai in a few times and struggled getting off of her back but i think that Overall, Calderwood's a little bit better of a grappler, and I think that if she hits takedown, she likely stays on top and maybe wins around with uh, some top time. And on the feet, I think it's going to be really competitive. I think especially at distance, it'll be competitive. Uh, I think Maya might even win the distance striking exchanges with her better boxing here. But we're going to see JoJo make it ugly, get inside the clinch, look to hit takedowns, and outstrike Maya in the clinch. So I do favor JoJo in this fight at about 55 to 60%. So I understand why that late action came in on Maya at that plus 150 dog price. I think that that was a solid bet because this fight is going to be closer than that those odds indicate. But I'm still favoring and picking Jojo to edge this decision here. It's not the most confident pick because I feel like this could just be a low output striking affair, um, but I'm going to side with Jojo having the slightly better output and being uh, the better overall fighter in my opinion. I think she's got more tools to win on the feet as well here. So Jojo Calderwood is going to be my pick. No bets for this one. I think the, the money line value right now is on Calderwood, but I'm in no rush to bet her as a favorite. I just don't think she's a very uh, reliable fighter to bet on. So no bets for me in this fight. And that's going to do it for the co-main event of the evening. And that's going to take us to the main event of the card in the middleweight division. We have Derek Brunson taking on Edmund Shabazian. The opening betting line for this one was Shabazian minus 270 to Brunson plus 230. Right now we are seeing Shabazian minus 342 Brunson plus 280. So more action coming in on the heavy favorite already, Edmund Shabazian. Right off the bat, I'm going to say that I think that this line is very wide, and I think that anybody betting on Shabazian at the minus 200, minus 300 price, they're bad bets. I mean, he could come out and finish at, uh, Derek Brunson in round one here like he did for his past few opponents, but in my opinion... Edmund has shown nothing to be this much of a favorite over a solid veteran like Derek Brunson. It would be one thing if Derek Brunson was on the decline, he was looking terrible in his fights lately, getting knocked out left and right, but in my opinion, that's not the case at all. If you go back a few years, Brunson did have a streak where like maybe 9 out of 10 of his fights ended in round 1. But if you look at his two most recent victories against Elias Theodoro and Ian Heinish, two solid middleweights, I think that Brunson looked very improved. It seemed like he settled down a little bit in his striking. He wasn't trying to bum rush people and knock him out in round one. He had a better tempo. He had more solid output. And that's not something we've seen from Brunson uh, at all through his career. I mean, he did that versus Anderson Silva. He did it way back versus Lorenz Larkin. But like I said, he had 10, 12 fights in a row where he was just bum rushing people and either knocking them out or getting knocked out round one but it seems like he's actually made some improvements and adjustments to his fighting game over his past two fights which is even more confusing of why Shabazian is this much of a favorite because Shabazian has had four fights in the UFC and three of them are quick round one finishes over 
pretty subpar competition. Charles Bird and, and Marshman are not good wins. Brad Tavares was definitely his best win. He got a nice round one knockout of Tavares. And I got to admit, Edmonds striking looked very sharp versus Tavares. He dropped him with a right hand and was able to finish him off with a, a lead high kick. I mean, he showed a lot of good striking technique and power on the feet that he had not shown before but if you look back in his fights before that he has struck on the feet for very little time versus Darren Stewart he had no interest in striking at distance versus Bird he hit him with some elbows and got a quick knockout he went for a quick takedown versus Marshman so we've only seen him striking at distance for about four to five minutes in the UFC and I just don't know how anybody would see that small sample size and start to favor Shabazzian on the feet over an experienced striker like Brunson. And I'm talking about the grappling aspect of things. Shabazzian likes hitting takedowns. He shot a lot of takedowns and hit a lot of takedowns versus Darren Stewart. But versus Stewart, he got almost no top time. He got no ground and pound. He got no submission attempts. I mean, he was constantly going for takedowns, but ended up just pushing Stewart against the cage and grinding Stewart out against the cage. But he did no damage. He didn't get any good positions, and he did really nothing with his takedowns in that fight. And he still won the fight by a very slim margin. Some of the judges gave him, I think, rounds one and two, but in round three, he was getting hit with big shots and was in deep trouble. So if Shabazzian struggled taking down and holding down Darren Stewart, I think he's going to struggle even more with a solid defensive grappler like Derek Brunson. So I don't think that wrestling is going to be a path to victory for Edmund here. I think that he's going to have to outstrike Brunson on the feet. Now, he might shoot takedowns on Brunson and he might not get them and he might end up in a cage pushing situation where he probably will win the cage pushing just by being uh, the fighter initiating the the pushing against the cage which judges tend to do sometimes but in order to look minus 300 here Edmund is going to have to cleanly outstrike Derek Brunson and I just don't see how anybody would favor Edmund Shabazian at an over 75% rate against a solid striker against Derek Brunson I mean if we look at all the footage of Brunson striking he probably has like two to three hours of footage of him striking at distance compared to Edmund Shabazian's about four minutes of UFC striking footage. So Edmund could come in here looking like an incredibly improved fighter. I mean, in the Tavares fight, in my opinion, he showed a lot of stuff in his MMA game that he hadn't shown before. And being such a young and athletic guy, he could continue to improve here. And he might come out and just starch Derek Brunson in round one with his striking. He might look like a better wrestler and take Derek Brunson down. But in my opinion, you can't count on any of that because he hasn't shown that at a reliable rate. So if we're talking about the money line in this fight, I think it's dogger pass all day. And I think there's, there's about 10 to 15% value on Derek Brunson where the money line is at. I capped the fight closer to a 65-35 type of fight for Edmund Shabazian. So minus 200 would be an appropriate price for Shabazian. But at this minus 340 price, it's a clear pass. I think that all of the action on Shabazian are, are bad bets personally. And the bet's probably cash. I do think I'm going to side with Edmund to win the fight as a pure pick goes. But if you're making these type of bets, these trusting these young fighters over veterans at over 75-80% probability, long term, that is not a good strategy. And you will lose long term if you keep trusting matchups like this one. So in my opinion, it is dog or pass. I would not place any action on Shabazzian Moneyline. I wouldn't parlay him. I wouldn't anything. I think that if you want to bet this fight you're going to have to either bet Brunson money line fight does not start round two 
or maybe Shabazian decision because I think the most likely way that Shabazian wins the fight is by decision. I don't think that he's going to knock out Brunson easily. I don't think he's going to submit Brunson. So I think the way he wins is by mixing up his striking, shooting takedowns, getting some cage push time, being the younger, faster fighter on the feet. So I am going to side with Edmund Shabazian here in terms of a pure pick goes. I will pick him to win by decision, but I also will be betting Derek Brunson at this plus 280 price. I think that's a great value on Brunson, and I'm happy to place uh, one unit on Brunson at that price. So that is going to do it for this podcast. We broke down all 11 fights for you. And if you want to see my official bets, you can see them on my Bet MMA Tips page. It is in the YouTube description. It is also on my Twitter account. Also on the Bet MMA Tips website, my username is a Martian MMA. You can check out all my bets there where I am up over 50 units for the year 2020. So it's been a great year for betting. We hope to keep it going this weekend with this card. And I will see you all next week before the next UFC card. Peace. Thank you.